Hey everybody, thank you so much for having me. My name's Thomas Costello. Uh, I'm just so thrilled to, to be here again with uh, New Hope Community Church, awesome church, and uh, love you guys there. So uh, I'm excited today to talk about rest. As we start out, let me ask you this question. Where is the place that you find the most rest in your life? Well, where is that place in the world that you go to find rest? For some people, it's uh, in the middle of a coffee shop. They feel like all the, the hustle and bustle around there and all the excitement, they just are able to tune it out and that's a restful place for them to uh, go and just really concentrate and be on their own with a nice cup of coffee. Some people, maybe it's your bathtub. You just love that place of retreat. I know a lot of moms, they feel that way. That's the place where they can be by themselves and actually get some rest. Maybe you have a, a favorite chair at your house uh, that you just wanna be in that chair and you are at rest when you're able to do that. Maybe you're more of an outdoors kind of a person that it's uh, being up in the mountains, going on a nice long hike. I hiked Coolio O not too long ago with my kids and uh, that was really restful. For me, I know the place that I find most restful is in the middle of the ocean. I love being in the water. I'm a, a surfer. I surf out at Seconds in Hawaii Kai. I can't tell you where it is. That's surfer's code, but it's, it's in Hawaii Kai. It's all you're gonna be able to know. Uh, but uh, I, I love being out there. It's about a quarter mile off of the beach uh, and you really feel like you're by yourself and it's, it's so peaceful. Or even better for me is being out in a kayak or a boat uh, even further out in the ocean. Some people, maybe you're thinking, that's just terrifying. That idea of being out in that kind of an environment, being that far away from land is really scary. But for me, I just find that to be the most peaceful thing. And in today's message, I wanna talk about how we find more rest. Specifically, I wanna talk about a certain kind of rest called Sabbath that we read about in scripture. Um, a lot of times we, in this world we live in now, we're in this like 24 seven kind of a world. And my hope today is to convince you that a 24 six world uh, is a better world to live in, where we're not going all the time 24-7, everything at that screaming pace. Because 24-7, it's kind of seen like as a good thing, right? When you talk about a, a store, you only say you always say it positively, that place is open 24-7. It's open all the time. You don't have to worry about it. Or if you go in for a job interview, what is that famous question that you're asked in every job interview? They're gonna ask you, what would you say are your weaknesses? And I think the right answer to that question is that I, I just work all the time. I go 24-7, I'm always going. That's the correct answer if you're ever in a job interview to that question. But in reality, it's not really a healthy thing. The more healthy lifestyle for us is a 24-6 kind of a pace, which is that we would go six days on, one day off. Six days on, one day off. That's what we were made for, and I wanna uncover that a little bit as we get into scripture here today. I, I'm, I'm often, I, I kind of notice this, that when you look at people, I notice that we always have, uh, we're always seeming to operate right at our capacity, right? If you're anything like me, you feel like you're busy all the time. Like everything is, you're right at that threshold of doing way too much and you feel like you're always going. But then I'm always amazed that there are people that do so much more than I do, right? I look at, you know, not to a big example would be like a president of the United States. Joe Biden is our president now, right? He goes like all the time, every single moment of every single day, 
from the time he gets up to the time he goes to bed is all scheduled out and he is always going. I, I find that there is no limit to the human capacity for how much we can just keep on going. And if we're being honest, I think most of us operating at that capacity we are almost all overworked and going too hard and doing too much with our lives. I was reading about this as I was preparing for this message that over the last 20 years, we have seen a dramatic increase in the amount of work that we are doing, like actual work in our physical jobs. This is pre-pandemic, these numbers, so it may be slightly different now, but in the year 2000, the average person worked 36 hours a week. That was the norm. So that includes everybody that's working part-time. Uh, that includes everybody that's working a lot more, but that's kind of the average. In 2020, that was all the way up to 41 hours per week. That's a 15% increase in the amount of time we're spending on our jobs. And compare that, and here's what really amazed me is that leisure time is actually down about 30% in that same span. So, you know, it, it's so crazy with the rise of Netflix and streaming services and all the things that we have, all this leisure opportunity we have, the numbers are actually showing that our leisure time has gone down in the last 20 years. And this is an interesting thing is this is the opposite of what social scientists would have thought would have happened when they looked at things. I was doing some research in this and I, I read some things by these social scientists from the 1960s. They did some experiments and I, they tried to like think about what is the future going to be like, right? You think about like the, the, the 80s version. I, I, if you're like me, you love like movies and TV shows where they try and predict the future. So the 80s version is like that movie Back to the Future Part 2 where they show, I think it was 2019 is the year that they were kind of predicting and in in that time there were uh, hoverboards and food rehydrators so food got served instantly before that in the 1960s there was a show uh, I, I used to watch it because it was in syndication when I was a kid but the Jetsons right maybe you've seen the show the Jetsons uh, it's about George Jetson and his entire family way into the future they go around on flying saucers they have robots named a robot named Rosie did all the household chores for them and back in the 60s this is a real problem that social scientists were worried that in the future that machines would be so sophisticated that there would be too little work for people to do. That they thought there might be some problems that would arise with people and humanity because machines did everything and it's good for people to work and they were worried there would be too little and people would be left to boredom and I don't know, that's been the exact opposite, it seems like, of what we've actually experienced. There has been nothing about my life that seems like it's getting less and less busy. And if you're, you're probably like me, it's, you've only become more and more busy as you live your life. But instead, God actually is calling us to be people that take a one day a week, a rest, a Sabbath. And when I talk about that, I don't necessarily mean just a day off from work because everybody knows that you can be off from work, but for a lot of us, Saturdays sometimes are the busiest day of the week because you have cars to wash and oil to change and grass to mow and kids sports to coach and do and be at and, and refreshments to bring and all the things that happen in this life that what God is calling us to is not just a day off from work once a week, but a day to truly take off and rest. And let's be honest, that's really hard to do. A lot of times we'll think, well, you know, that's, that's, a, that, that's just one day, right? It's just one day. I can, I can probably get away with taking, like, like I, can, I can not have to rest every single week like that. It's just a day, I'll be okay. Think about it this way though. 
if you just kind of ignore this idea of what God's calling us to do with taking that one day off, then you're skipping out on how many days in the course of a year does that mean? Well, that's 52 days. That's 52 weeks in a year. That's 52 days. If I asked you this, if you could take a 52-day sabbatical right now, like no strings attached, you were off from work, you had nothing to do, a full like vacation, hang out, do whatever you want, binge whatever you wanted to watch, go out, do your thing, surf. If you were able to do that, how many of you would chomp at the bit to go do something like that, to take 52 consecutive days off? That sounds amazing, right? And that's what we're giving up every single year if we are not consistently in this pattern of 24-6, resting every seventh day. Think about it even more on like the course of a human life. If you kind of think about it, the average human lives a little bit over 75 years in our country. That's 11 years that God calls us, if you, if you skip that one day, 11 years that we're skipping over the course of a life that we're just kind of, God calls us to it, but we're just kind of letting it go. And if you're anything like me, this is a huge, huge challenge, but God calls us to it. Let me read this from scripture to you. It's Exodus chapter 31, verse 16. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. It says, the people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. And I want to focus on those last few words, because when I think about Sabbath, a lot of times, because that's kind of a religious word, right? Nobody outside of a religious context or a Christian or Jewish context, you don't hear that term Sabbath very often. But I, I want to focus on that last part because I think a lot of times we, when we think about Sabbath, the first thing my mind at least goes to is the stories in the Gospels that when Jesus is arguing or getting into stuff with the Pharisees, it is almost always about the Sabbath. He, they were always criticizing Jesus and saying that, well, you teach your disciples just to ignore the Sabbath and not obey it. And that couldn't be further from the truth. What Jesus was pushing back against is all these pharisaical laws that they would make kind of protecting the, the Sabbath. They would say things like, you're not allowed to walk in a field where there's wheat on the Sabbath because you might accidentally step on some and that's the same as threshing it and therefore you're working. Jesus is trying to move away from all those things and what he really, uh, what we sometimes do is we think, well, the Sabbath, that was something that was really great for Jewish people. You know, Moses wrote this back 25 or 3,500 years ago when he wrote all these things in the book of Exodus here. But I want you to focus on that last term. It says, this is a covenant obligation for all time. This is something that is something we're supposed to be following, not just back then, not in just in Jesus's time, but in 2022 and every day that humanity exists from this day forward. It's not just for religious nuts. It's something that God designed and intended it just for us. I have a, a business that I run. It's called Reach Right, and uh, we do all kinds of creative work for churches. That's what our business is. We do website design and logos and all kinds of things. And uh, as someone who does some creative work, and we have team members that do a lot of our actual design work now at the company, but uh, one thing that I've learned is as a creative, we can put all the effort we want into our designs. Maybe we design a beautiful logo and we design a website maybe that's like this perfect thing. It's exactly what we want it to be. The, the pictures are all exactly as we intend them. They have the right filters on them. They're the right sizes, the right resolution. But something that almost always happens with every project that we do is that we give over the keys to the website or the logo to the client and then 
over time, the client kind of does whatever they think is right for their website, and we see our design kind of start to deteriorate. They would take these pictures that are perfect and they'll say, well, it's, it's Christmas time, so let's, let's put a red and green Christmas tree up here. And then they'll, they'll, they'll compress it and make it too small and they'll, they'll stretch it out or make it all grainy and they'll, they'll change all their colors on the site to kind of go with the Thanksgiving and fall theme. And as much as I appreciate their effort in that, they're taking this beautifully designed thing that we've made and they're turning it into something that they think is going to be better. But in reality, it turns out as a designer, we can say it's usually much, much worse. And that's what a lot of us, I find that we do with the Sabbath, is we make these mistakes of taking this perfectly designed rhythm that God has made for us of doing six days on, one day off, six days on, one day off. We take that rhythm and we say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it work a little bit better for me and my lifestyle and the things that I want to do in my life or the, the obligations that I have. And really when we do that, remember, God is our designer. Did you know that God knows how we operate better than how, how we know ourselves? We may think that, oh, I, I think that this is different for me. I'm just not really someone that fits in this 24-6 lifestyle. God knows you better than you know yourself. It is a covenant for all time. And he knows that it is really unhealthy for us to be going 24-7. And I actually have a few reasons why I want to share with you. There's three main reasons why it's unhealthy to go 24-7. First of all, it's bad for us physically. Going 24-7 going is really bad for us physically. Let me ask you this, if you were to go to somebody and say, how are you doing or how's it going? What is the most common answer you get to that question? Well, we would like to think it'd be something like, I'm doing good, how are you? Or you know, if you're really Christian, you'll say something like, I'm blessed. Or maybe you'll say, I'm great, but I'm getting better. Or if you follow a lot of Dave Ramsey, uh, you'll say what he says. He'll say, better than I deserve is how I'm doing. But the most common answer uh, is that we say, I am tired or I am exhausted. Those are the most common answers to how are you doing because it's something that all of us operate at this, this always going kind of a breakneck speed and we all feel tired. Everybody can relate to that. I remember uh, several years ago in 2007, my family, which was four at the time, I have three kids now, but I, have, uh, I had two back then. Uh, in 2007, we moved from Northern California, where my wife and I were pastoring a church because we felt called to go to Austin, Texas and plant a church. And we were so brave. I'm nowhere near that brave anymore in my life. But I look back at that time and I, I can't believe I did this. With two kids, uh, we, we sold our house in California uh, and we set out to Austin, Texas. We didn't have a house to live in. We didn't have a job to go to, any of that stuff. And we just kind of felt like the Lord was going to provide. We were going to plant a church. So 15 of our closest friends, they moved out with us to join us in this effort of planting a church. And I remember just the, the fear that we had. Um, I, as a, at my age now, I'm much more fearful of that situation than I was then. I was uh, I was really amazed that I, we were able to do that. But I remember I, I, I fought to get a job. I went to many interviews and I finally got this job uh, and I was thrilled to have it. I'm still thankful to this day because it provided uh, for my family. It kept food on the table. It put a house over, a roof over our heads. It was really good. 
but it was hard. It was a job where I was in sales, and so I was making money dependent on whatever I was producing. I was going like 50 hours a week at that job, and remember, I was going there to plant a church, so on top of the 50 hours a week I was working, I was also doing 25 or 30 hours towards planting a church, and on top of that, I had those two little kids. You know, when they're, when they're little, they can be a lot of work, two and, and three months is how old my kids were at the time, and on top of that, I was, as the kids got a year or so older. I was coaching my daughter at soccer and uh, just everything kept adding up. We had so much going on in our lives. I was going like 80 hours a week with work plus all of my family responsibilities and it was just too much. Uh, it, it took a toll on me over time. I, I saw my health start to deteriorate. I was getting sick all the time. I started to gain a lot of weight. And I was 27 when we moved there. I was, I was young at the time and should have had tons of energy, but I was just tired all the time and exhausted and getting sick and gaining weight. And that's what tends to happen to us when we have this 24-7 lifestyle is we go all the time. It, it's bad for us physically. It's also really bad for us mentally. Uh, going 24-7 is not good for our own mental health. You, you, I don't have to tell you, there is an enormous mental health crisis that is happening. And I think the pandemic has really only exacerbated what's already happening there. Pre-pandemic, the number was one in five Americans have a diagnosed mental health condition of some kind, whether that be depression or anxiety or something to, to do with that. Um, and, and I'm not here to say that all of that is directly tied to Sabbath keeping. But I am here to say that some of it is tied to our 24-7, go all the time, constantly connected, constantly having a phone with us, this always going kind of a lifestyle. I think it's directly tied, at least in part, to some of the mental health challenges that we are facing in our world right now. Uh, and, and I don't have to tell you, I mean, imagine, you know, I, a lot of you know this. This is, this is just the number of diagnosed mental health challenges that there's all kinds of undiagnosed ones because, you know, who wants to go through that if we don't have to? A lot of us guys, we try to avoid those conversations. I, I am 100% for getting help with those kinds of things. But I'm just saying that there is a direct tie that some sociologists are seeing between our 24-7 lifestyle and some of the rise of mental health issues. I was reading another thing from some social study people. They were uh, talking about some of the differences that we see when we look at veterans of earlier American wars, like for World War II and before, uh, and some of our more recent uh, American wars, like Vietnam and beyond. Uh, and they, there's a marked difference in the number of PTSD and mental health conditions that came back from the later wars than there were from the earlier wars. So World War II, there were many fewer people that were uh, dealing with what they would have called shell shock or some of those conditions back then than those that came back from Vietnam or the Iraq wars or the Afghanistan wars. And they started to do some thinking about it. And there's many reasons. I'm sure we just understand it better in part now. So a lot of people are just were more regularly diagnosing these kinds of things. But there's also a case that they were making for the way that soldiers returned from war that might play a part in their mental health in, uh, after they returned from the battlefield. You see, in World War II and the wars that were before that, when the fighting ended and they returned, whether from the Pacific Theater or the European Theater, wherever they were coming home from, 
that was a, a journey that it took to get home because it was, it was something where the battle would end and they would immediately uh, kind of take a few days at base and then they would get onto a ship. And the ship would take upwards of weeks to, to get back into port. And then they would get onto a train and get back to their hometown. And it was a long process, sometimes four to six weeks from the time that they stopped in battle to the time that they were back home with their families. This gave them time to decompress, to be there with other people that had the same experiences, to talk about some of those things that they saw, and to just really take a pause, to take a rest, and they found that that might be really helpful for their mental health. Compare that to Vietnam era vets where there is much more even like a stigma that kind of goes with it. How many of them really suffered mental health challenges that came with fighting overseas like that or uh, the mental health challenges with Iraq and Afghanistan war vets. They would end in their battle. They would kind of they would be dismissed there and they would immediately be onto a plane. And sometimes within 36 to 48 hours, they were right back with their families. They were getting back into the normal swing of lives, not giving themselves that same amount of time to really decompress and to take it all in and to take that break for their mental health. The same thing goes for us on a weekly basis is that when we don't take that rhythm to pause, take a full day off, it is a drain on our mental health. So it is bad for us physically, it's bad for us mentally, and third, I would argue, and maybe most importantly, it's really bad for us spiritually to not have this rhythm of six days on, one day off, six days on, one day off. As I've been talking, maybe you're sitting here thinking what I would be thinking, so I, you're in good company with this. Maybe you're thinking, Thomas, this all sounds really great. I, I'm, I totally agree, this is all something that is, is good, it's just not something that I can do. Like, I, I don't know if you know my life, but I just have way too much going on, I'm working all the time, I have other people that need me, I have family, I have friends, I have my job. It, this sounds really great, but I just can't do it because there are so many things to do. I have, I have lawns to mow and, and I have oil to change in my car. And how many times are we always told of all these things we have to do? I was, I was walking by uh, this week, my, my wife was watching the Today Show in the morning and I happened to catch a little thing and they had some kind of a home fire expert. And they said, I just caught this, they said, at a minimum, you are to be checking your smoke detector battery levels once a month, at a minimum, once a month. Can I make a confession to you? I don't check my battery smoke, uh, my smoke detector batteries once a month. That's just not something that I don't, I do. I don't have time to do those kinds of things. I agree that it's probably something that's important that we should do, but there's so many things that we're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be changing your windshield wipers every six months and you're supposed to be doing, there, there's no limit to the amount of things in this world that we are called or feel like we, we should or being told that we should be doing. And yet God, the one who matters most, is calling us specifically to be taking this time off. So what are we to do? If we have all this stuff on our plate, what, what are we supposed to do? Um, I would argue that in a lot of ways we're putting all of these things, if we're skipping Sabbath, if we're skipping that one day of rest, we're putting all of these things on a pedestal and raising them up to a place that's even higher than God in our lives. In fact, I would even say that in a lot of ways, we have become servants to 
those things that we need to do. Because again, we all want, everybody, nobody looks at me and says, well, Thomas, the Sabbath is just a dumb idea. That's just, that's just silly. It doesn't even sound good. Everybody wants it. We just can't figure out how to do it in a lot of ways. And I would argue that's because we are serving, or maybe we'd even say that we're in bondage to, or we're even enslaved to the things that we feel like we need to do. And the Sabbath is there actually to give us freedom. Let me read this to you. Uh, It's uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. So also written by Moses. This is what he says. He says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and his powerful arm. That is why, so listen, that is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Did you catch that? Moses here is saying that the reason why we have the Sabbath is as a reminder that we are free people and we are not slaves. It's a reminder that while we used to be enslaved to these things, in Christ, when we have the Sabbath, when we honor it, then we actually have freedom. We are no longer slaves to the things that would keep us. Do you have control over your life or not is really the question. You remember the way that uh, the Israelites, the the way that it went in in the book of Exodus, we read about how when they would act up as slaves, what would the Egyptians do? They would whip them and they would say, that's it. You're even going to get your own straw for your bricks. So you're going to get, you're already going from sun up to sun down. We're going to add another two hours of work every single day. And that's what we tend to keep doing is we keep to, we tend to keep piling this stuff onto ourselves over and over again. We keep adding to the amount that we have. And really what God knows is he knows us better. Did you know that God knows us so much better than we know ourselves? He really does do that. He really, he knows us. And so I want you to to consider that, that maybe those things, if I'm saying that I cannot do the Sabbath rest that I'm called to, I cannot really take a full day off Consider that maybe that's exactly who the Sabbath is for, people that feel like we are in bondage or overwhelmed by the amount that we have to do in this life. So again, it's bad for us physically. It's bad for us mentally. I think it's bad for us spiritually is what Moses and the Lord is saying through him in that passage there. I think it's fair to say that when we put ourselves and we skip out on the Sabbath, we're putting ourselves basically under a curse in this life. We're putting ourselves, uh, everything kind of falls apart. Now, uh, it, it teaches in scripture that if you don't keep the Sabbath, that you're cursed. I don't think that means that God is like actively trying to, to harm you or gonna, gonna hurt you if you don't keep the Sabbath, but we are choosing this curse for ourselves and it deteriorates our mental, physical, and spiritual health when we do it. But the opposite is also true. And we're gonna read that in scripture as we end here today. It's that those that live a 24-6 lifestyle, if you do that rhythm of six on, one off, that you are blessed. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 56, verses, I'm going to read three verses. It's two, four, and six. So the evens in the beginning of Isaiah chapter 56. Here's what it says. It said, it says, blessed are those who are careful to do this, referring to the Sabbath. Blessed are those who honor my Sabbath days of rest and keep themselves from doing wrong. For this is what the Lord says, I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. 
I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, and who hold fast to my covenant. So what scripture seems to teach here is that we are under a curse if we do 24-7, if we go all the time, but if we honor the Sabbath as God is calling us to here, that he promise us to, promises to put, us, put a blessing on us, that we can live a blessed life. And this is for everybody. Like He's really clear to say that. It talks about, you may have noticed, it says that uh, I will bless the eunuchs who keep the Sabbath. In those times, there's a lot of debate about what a eunuch is. At a minimum, they were people that nobody really wanted to be, right? Because it means you couldn't have children. It left a lot of things up in, up in the air in your life. Some people say it's kind of a euphemism for a same-sex attraction when you see that in Scripture. We're not totally sure what that is, but it's something that wasn't great at the time that this was written here. So it's, they're saying that even people that you don't really, uh, people that are maybe the least of these in society, the Sabbath is even a blessing to them. And then it says foreigners. So uh, I don't, I'm a Gentile. I'm not Jewish. Most of you in this audience probably are, are Gentiles and not Jewish. We would be considered foreigners. This is a blessing to us as well. So God is going to bless Jewish people. He's going to bless uh, the least of these in society. He is going to bless foreigners. He's going to bless everybody by this Sabbath if we are just willing to put ourselves under his plan of going 24-6. I'm going to close with this kind of story. I remember uh, several years ago, uh, my, my daughter, she wanted desperately to finally get a cell phone. It's a constant battle in our house. I have my, my youngest is now 10 years old, and he's been asking me since third grade, hey, dad, can I get a cell phone yet? Can I get a cell phone yet? And we've been really resistant. Maybe some of you guys can relate to that same issue there. Um, he, he always tells me, oh, you know, all of my friends at school, he says he's the only kid in his class. I don't really believe it, but he says he's the only kid in fourth grade that does not yet have a cell phone. And so we're resisting as long as we possibly can. With my, my daughter, a few years back, she got a cell phone when she was in seventh grade. And I, I remember very distinctly how it happened because uh, I have a, a business like I was sharing before and we have a, a few extra slots on there where we had some extra plans that wouldn't have really cost us anything. And I used this program called Google Fi, which is a, um, it's a phone service by Google. But the one limitation of it was that it only allowed for using Android phones at the time. And I remember that I, I told Ruby, hey, okay, Ruby, you're, you're, you're in seventh grade. We're going to let you finally have a phone. And all your friends had it a few years ago. And her friends, she comes to tell us, she says, all of my friends have the brand new, at the time, it was the iPhone 10. They had the latest and greatest, like $1,400 iPhone that all of her seventh grade friends had. And so she comes to us and, and she sa I say, hey, Ruby, you're going to be able to have this new phone service. I have a phone for you. It's this uh, Android phone here. Uh, and you, you can use it. And it's going to cost you absolutely nothing. And I just saw her look really sad. She just got really sad. And I, maybe some of you are starting to feel sad. I know there's this like religious fervor that people have about iPhone versus Android. I don't really, I don't totally get it because they're more the same than they are alike, I find. But maybe that's offensive to some of you out there. But I, I know she just started to get a little bit sad when I told her that. And, and, and she said, well, I, I, I just, that doesn't work for me, Dad. I cannot, I cannot go on that plan. I cannot be with there. So what she did, against my recommendation, uh, is she decided to start scheming a little bit, in a good way. And I was kind of proud of her that she 
wanted something and was going to work to get it. So she started to, you know, take jobs around the house. She went and she sold everything uh, like that she didn't play with anymore. So she had tons of Legos that she sold on eBay, and she tried to get all kinds of money together for this. And then she got, she like finally had enough money to saved up to be able to get her own iPhone. She couldn't afford a, a 10 like all of her friends, so she got an I, she had enough for an iPhone 6, but at least she could FaceTime with her buddies and do all those things, and she was super excited. And then I told her, hey, that's not gonna work on the plan that we have, so unfortunately, if you wanna do that, you're gonna have to do your own plan, and you're gonna have to pay for it yourself with that. And to a seventh grader, you know, having to pay your own cell phone bill, that's, that's a big deal, that's expensive, right? So what she did is, like every smart seventh grader, she, she found the cheapest plan you could, right? So she went and found this bizarre plan that I had never heard of. It the plan basically like took a Sabbath. It, it would work six days and then it would not work another day. It was like totally a, a cheap cell phone plan that only worked part of the time there. And she got onto that and so she was so proud of herself. And uh, in the middle of this, she I guess the point with all this is that she wanted desperately to live the life that she wanted to live and she thought it was for the best. How, how many of you, if I said, hey, uh, I have a free cell phone plan for you, right? I, I just, it isn't gonna cost you anything. I'll even give you a phone. How many of you would say, yeah, absolutely. I'll save the 70 bucks a month that it cost me plus the you know $1,000 or whatever that phones cost nowadays. See, in this particular case, Ruby, she had her own plan that she really wanted to operate when there was a fantastic plan that her father had laid out before her that all she had to do was say yes to. And that's really, I think it's kind of in a small way, a lot like what the decision that lies before us here today is, is that God has a perfect plan laid out for us knowing how our body operates, knowing because he made us, he laid out this plan of choosing to live in a rhythm that is six days on, one day off. Six days on, one day off. And many of us, myself included often, we presume to tell God, my plan is actually a little bit different from your plan, God. I, I, I get your plan. I see that that's there and available to me. But instead, I feel like for my circumstance, my plan of going seven days and just going, that is better. And what God would say to us is that in, he really invites us to is a different kind of a plan, a plan where we can actually follow his way. And instead of living in a life of a, a life of a curse that we really live under of physical, mental, spiritual challenges that come with going 24 seven, he invites us to a life of rest that is always going to be better. So my challenge for you today, and I hope this is something that you can accept, uh, is that you would really consider how you can make Sabbath, make one full day off of rest a part of your life. You're here, you know, you're, you're watching this, maybe you're watching it on a Sunday morning. Uh, we'll be doing this on, on Sunday uh, morning here in person as well. That's a great start to it. A Sabbath is a time for uh, rest and reflection and reverence to the Lord and just really taking that time out. How can you carve that out so that you can align yourself with the plan that God has already set up? I want to encourage you to do that this morning, and I want to pray for you as we do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you know us better than we know ourselves, that you made us and you know us, uh, and in your wisdom, you set aside this rhythm of six days on, one day off. Uh, we just confess to you that we have not followed your plan perfectly and we ask for your help to be people that move from the curse 
into the blessing that you have for us in this Sabbath keeping that you've called us to. Thank you so much that you love us enough to, to call us not to work harder and harder and harder, but to rest more. Would you help us to live that out? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for letting me be here with you today. Uh, thank you for being a part of New Hope Community Church. Uh, we hope to see you next week for Mother's Day. We'll see you then. <laughs>